we are glad you're with us today. Thank you for being here. I guess you're the ones whose boat's not broke and lost your golf clubs. You tore them up getting mad on the course or something. So uh, not bad. It's not bad for a Labor Day crowd. I'll take it. And uh, I, was, I was shocked that the first service was good too. So you, you never know. Sometimes the holiday weekends. We, we kidded for years about uh, on these holiday weekends like this, like combining both services and just doing them down at like Cheatham Dam or something, you know. And, and uh, you know, I don't know. That would probably be entertaining. If nothing else, we might see a good fight or something. I don't know. Uh, you should go back if you've never watched the videos. Like when we used to baptize people back in the day, back when we were in the schools, and well, we did a thing called plunge for years. Well, the first plunges, which we did baptisms at, they were big picnics. We'd do these baptisms. And uh, the very first one, uh, first few, we did down at Cheatham Dam. And the very first one specifically, uh, if, if you go look, there's like just, you know, we're baptizing people, but then there's just like random people like in the water, like not that far away from us that are just kind of like, they're like dudes talking to each other and like, what are they doing? What's going on? It's so weird. Yeah, it's funny. But uh, yeah. Um, so a couple things I want to just make mention of um, so that uh, you guys are aware. We are going to be getting more shirts. Uh, I thought about that as I put my shirt on today, so I figured I'd make mention of it. And they are a pre-order type deal, so um, be, be looking for that and ready for that when that comes. Uh, and then um, some of you have been like, I didn't get a shirt, so we're going to, you know, get you a shirt. So, uh, but then uh, also uh, make mention of uh, if, you, if you feel like this is uh, where God's leading you as a church home, uh, and, and by the way, we'd love that if that, if that is the case. Uh, and if you've got questions, let us know. But one of the things that would help you a whole lot uh, I would say would be uh, we have these classes that we do during the first service on Sunday morning. Now, I, ne- I know that means waking up earlier uh, because it's during the first service, but it's in the first service, so you can still come to the second. Uh, but we do these classes. We do like a 101 intro to like who 24 Church is, uh, who we are kind of thing. Uh, we have two membership classes that are back-to-back. You do them back-to-back. And then we also have a volunteer orientation that kind of helps you know how to get plugged in and serving and some of those kinds of things uh, that uh, we have everybody go through. So I'm just just bringing it up. We talk about it from time to time, uh, just encouraging you. I, I think it's one of the greatest things that we've done uh, here at 24 in a long time. And, and I told the guys and staff here in the last few weeks even that <clears throat> I'm just I'm seeing God use that. I'm seeing us retain more people because I think they're, they're I think they're feeling more plugged in. They're feeling more like they know what's going on. They understand, you know, a little more about what we believe. And it's, you know, like, okay, I didn't know if it was a cult or not uh, or whatever. And I know some of your moms still think it is or whatever. And so, you know, maybe you can bring your mom and take her through 101 or something. I don't know. But uh, no, but we're glad for you to go through those. Be, be watching the calendar on those. We're trying to do those uh, reoccurring, and the guys are doing a great job at leading those things. So uh, it's a great, great way to uh, to get to know some people and to get plugged in and all that good stuff too. Also, next Sunday, and they'll talk about this later, but I got I got to bring it up. Uh, is uh, is the uh, Titans football Buffalo Wild Wings Sunday, where <clears throat> after this service um, we'll be uh, turning on the Titans game, and uh, I forget who we play. Uh, I don't know if it matters really. Uh, the Dolphins. They still have a team. Um, and so, yeah. And so, anyway, yeah, we got Titans versus the Dolphins, and we'll have Buffalo Wild Wings uh, being a little, I don't want to call it catered in. We'll be going to get it, I guess. I guess that's catered in. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, if you can, if you're coming, you're planning on being here, go online and register just so that we know. So we can kind of, we're trying to get head count of like how many people to be buying wings for that kind of thing. Uh, and then also, uh, if you're bringing a side, if you're bringing a dessert, I know, like we're planning ahead. Can you believe that? Like, it's not just me like calling Buffalo Wild Wings and going, hey, we need a bunch of hot wings. They're like, how many? And like, I don't know. We never know how many people are going to show up for stuff. Uh, but no, seriously, go online, register. If you're bringing a side or a dessert or something, you can put that on there. People have already been doing this. Like, it's actually happening online. There's actually people signed up. And so we see what you bring. So we see what you're bringing. So if you don't, then we know you're guilty for not following through with your commitment, okay? And so, uh, but no, seriously, we'd love, love for you to stay, hang out. It, this would be a great time uh, to get to know people and to do one of the greatest gifts that we've been given from the Lord, which is to eat hot wings. Uh, and so... Uh, 
I'm, I'm excited about that. And, you know, I like Titans football if I get to see it in person. And then outside of that, I'm like, yay, the Titans. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, no, we'll have a good time. So be here next week and we'll do that. I told first service, I was like, what if we, what if we did it after the first service next week and we didn't tell the second service? I was like, the second service people like would show up and be like, some, some, some of you would just honestly, you'd be like, yes, like, like we, we're, we're eating wings. We're not having church. Yes. And then some of you, some of you would be like, I can't believe they did this to us. We're going to my mother's church. They would never do this to us. And so, you know, I don't know, but uh, that's a whole lot of talking about your mom right there a couple times in a row. So your mom jokes are coming today, maybe. Let's hope not. Um, so uh, today we're getting in back into uh, Mark, the book of Mark. We've been walking through the book of Mark together. Uh, and uh, if you've got a Bible with you, get it out and go to Mark chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, let our ushers bring you one. Uh, and they would be glad to get you one. Uh, if you don't own one, we'd love for you to keep that one. You can have it. It's a gift. Take it with you. Maybe you don't like the version you got. I don't care. Uh, we just want you to be able to have one and to be able to follow along. But Mark chapter 8 uh, is, uh, is where we're going today. And, uh, you know, this passage kind of brings up uh, a, a subject, which is we're kind of on it already, which is food. And uh, how we kind of have our favorite foods. You know, if I ask you what your favorite food was, you could tell me right off the top of your head probably your favorite things to eat. And if you love Jesus, you'd probably say things like hot chicken and Thai food and, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, but anyway, uh, either way, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd have on your mind exactly the things that you love the most and all that. And, and even if I ask you, you know, your favorite specific kind of food, you know, if, uh, if I said, well, what's your favorite, where's your favorite Mexican food? You know, well, then you probably got maybe a restaurant or something in mind that you like, you know, and again, if you love the Lord, you'd probably, you know, say things like Las Palmas and Rose Pepper and, you know, things like that. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, either way, you, you, you've got these things in your mind. Well, and, and so if I said, what's the best bread, you know, what, what's, your, what's your favorite bread? If you're living right, you'll say cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster. Red Lobster is a great restaurant. Back me up on this. Come on, I need an amen from somebody. All right, there we go. See? The men. Oh, like there's women in here don't have good taste. Um, so, yeah, you'd say things like the cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster. You might say, uh, you know, Lambert's. You ever been to Lambert's where they throw you the roll? You know, you've been there? Yeah, been there, done that. So, and, and like, I remember every time I go to Lambert's, you know, I mean, of course, they're bringing all this other food, you know, and, and there's something about like, I mean, the rolls are, the rolls are pretty good at Lambert's. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to downplay the rolls, but the truth is, is the food's so good. I'm kind of like, do I really want more rolls? But they're, I mean, but they're throwing, they throw you the rolls. If you've never been there, they, th they literally across the restaurant, all you do hand in the air and they throw you a roll, you know? And so, and so just because they're throwing me rolls, I'm like, I just want them to throw me rolls. Here, let's do two at a time. Come on, boys. You know? And, uh, you, know, and I, you know, and I eat the bread or whatever. But then, you know, other, other great breads, you know, uh, maybe, maybe a, a good breadstick. Everybody loves a good breadstick, right? You know, Olive Garden, they've got some good breadsticks, the OG, right? Uh, but the truth is, it's like, I think Olive Garden's so big for their britches, they can't, they, they're, they're not going to be, a, they're not going to allow themselves to make a breadstick like Fazoli's. Have you ever had the Fazoli's breadsticks? And, and I think that, I think the Olive Garden is so big now for, you know, itself that it's afraid that it'll have lawsuits of people that die from eating their breadsticks if they make them like Fazoli's makes them, which is the way they should make them, which is more bread, more butter, more garlic, you know? And if you ever want some garlic bread, I can make you some garlic bread that will make you punch your mama in the mouth, okay? So, you know, but I mean, you know, we, we've all got, you know, we've all got these, you know, breads, you know, and it's like that with anything, you know, we, everybody's got a favorite thing. Well, this passage of Scripture talks about, uh, talks about some bread. We're talking about bread today a little bit, but there, there's a purpose behind it. In fact, I'll go ahead and give away Part of what this passage is about is we see Jesus and we see this amazing thing that he's done, and it's much like other amazing things that we've seen Jesus do along the way, uh, and including a very similar situation to this situation, 
But in this situation, Jesus actually is, is playing out this whole thing, and he literally is using thousands of people, thousands of people, to make a point to the disciples. We love him crying babies. Come on. Anybody ever cuss an eye at somebody with a crying baby? We got, we've got deacons that are sniping people from up in the rafters. Don't you ever do that, okay? Uh, we love them. We want them to be here. And so, but no, so Jesus uses this whole, this whole situation with literally thousands of people to make a point to the disciples and truthfully to us too. And so we, we've got this thing, what seems like on the surface is a need, and yes, it's a need, and yes, Jesus has a heart for the people, and he's going to do a thing and all this, but there's more to it than meets the eye. Mark chapter 8, verse 1. Let's look at it. It says, In those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them will come far, have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can we can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? So we've got we've got a situation here. We've got this situation where, you know, Jesus has been teaching these people for three days. Now, there's, you know, there's kind of this thing going on here, uh, and some people have actually said, oh, well, Mark, you know, Mark just like, he just like, he's just like retelling the story of feeding the 5,000. Okay, so first of all, uh, it, it wasn't like copy and paste, you know, where like we accidentally threw a story in that was already told. They're writing this stuff, okay? Mark's writing this, you know? And, and, and Mark is very purposeful. We know that. Mark is very intentional. Mark is not a detail guy a lot of times. You look at the other Gospels, they're all longer than Mark. Uh, Mark has less details a lot of times. And, and so when Mark says something, we, we pretty much, you know, we're, we're paying attention. We're really kind of like, okay. You know, the, Mark throws in a detail. You're like, okay, why do you throw that detail in there, you know? And so with this situation here, same thing. Mark puts us in here on purpose because it is a second moment in time where Jesus has taught people, is teaching people, and they are hungry, and they don't have enough food to feed everybody. And so we see also the disciples, and this is what, this is what makes it a little deja vu, is the disciples, what do they say? Verse 4, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Oh, Jesus, what are, you know, I mean, you're suggesting we're going to feed these people? How are we supposed to do that? Just happened. You know, they just fed the 5,000, which was probably more like 10 to 20,000 uh, when you added the, the, the women and the children in with the men. Uh, in this situation, I'll go ahead and give away, I'll go ahead and tell you, it's 4,000, and it's actually considered and thought to be a full 4,000, everybody included kind of thing. And the disciples are sitting here, and back, by the way, that's, verse, that's chapter 6, which we just studied several weeks ago. And in chapter 6, we saw a few differences. First of all, we see Jesus is only teaching one day when he's going to feed what we call the 5,000 in chapter 6. Uh, we also, there's, there's several differences within the story. Uh, another one is you know, where he tells him to sit. He tells him to sit in the grass and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and the truth is, is, is you can get into some of those details uh, some of them are important. Some of them I really don't think really matter all that much other than to differentiate the stories and to help us to see uh, that there were two occurrences. And by the way, Jesus talks about both occurrences together at a time where we have that also. So we, I mean, we know that legitimately there's, there were two times that this happened. So Jesus looks at them, verse 5, says, And he asked them, How many loaves do we have? Doesn't sound familiar, right? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, no grass in this one, and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the people and they set them before the crowd. Verse seven, and they had a few small fish, probably sardines. We think that because in this area, that was like a, there was a, this was a big market they caught a lot, harvested a lot of sardines in this area, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, had a few small fish, we don't really know. And having blessed them, 
he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left after seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmathura. So, what? Jesus does another miracle. Jesus feeds people. Surprise, surprise, we've already seen Jesus do it once, right? What's the big deal? And I, and I think that that could be, that's, that's one of those like, I'm going to warn us here, that could be one of those like moments where like we are, could be that way. Like, oh yeah, I've heard, man, I've heard Jesus feed the 5,000 10 times, feeding the 4,000 is pretty much the same thing. Jesus does the thing and then God's glorified and everybody's like, hey, look at Jesus. He's, he's the man. He's the Messiah. There's purpose behind this. There's purpose behind this for us to see this play out. It's not just Jesus feeding people, meeting a need, and God being glorified. God's going to be glorified in the end of it all, but the truth is, is that he's, he's, he's taking us on a trip. One of the things that we see that's different uh, in this passage of Scripture is we see Jesus pray. We see Jesus bless the food. You know, Joey and I, we've had this joke for years, and we think we got it from Louis Giglio, um, where, uh, you know, we'll get together, and we're, we'll get together, and we, we're eating lunch or something, you know, and, uh, and somebody says something about a blessing, you know, we'll say, well, are you thankful? And then we'll go, yep, I'm thankful. You thankful? Yeah, I'm thankful. All right, let's eat. And then we'll just eat, you know, because the purpose in saying a blessing is to take a moment to recognize that God has provided this for you and to be thankful for it. And so, you know, obviously that's just, you know, us being silly or whatever. But we see Jesus taking a minute to give thanks, it says, the first time, and then the second time he blessed the fish. So he's giving thanks for the loaves. He's blessing the fish. Why in the world is this important? Why is Mark including details when he's not a detail guy? Why is he doing it? I think because... We're supposed to see some things here. He wanted the disciples to see something. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But he wanted all of us to see what he was doing and that that was that Jesus was trying to lead and begin to disciple the Gentiles. This is the Gentile people. This is, this is Gentile folks he's talking to here in this area. This is, not, this is not the Jewish people. And, and the thing that you think we don't really understand because we, we're not really thinking about this a lot of times when we're reading through Scripture like this is that you know, the Jewish people, God's people, they're the ones who, who, would, who would pray and bless food and stuff like that. And the Gentile people, this is completely new to them. I mean, completely new to them. They, they've not, this is not something that they're used to or whatever. And so with the Gentile people, with them, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting there, and they're, they're soaking all this in. Jesus is leading them. He's helping them to see some things. He's helping them to see God has provided this. God has provided this. God is doing a thing here, and we're going to be thankful for the thing that he's doing. He's teaching them to be thankful. He's showing them he's making a point. The other point that he's trying to make to the disciples, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a minute. Jesus is helping them to believe in the bread. The bread. He's giving them bread. All throughout Jesus' ministry, bread is, you know, this constant thing. Constant, constant thing. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Verse 11, it goes on, it says this. So then... Then the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and he went to the other side. So here, here's, here's the Pharisees. If you don't know who the Pharisees are, we've talked about them a lot, just in case you've you just tuning in here. Uh, you know, the Pharisees were basically like, they're the, they're, they're the religious elite. They're the ones who've been setting rules that people need to follow. Not God's rules, their rules. 
of like what you should do to be godly. They've been making up rules all along the way, and they just keep adding to it and all this, you know. And and so I mean, they're just they're they've basically shown up on the scene to try to catch Jesus in something. And they've all we already know they've been plotting to kill him. You know, this is this has been going on for a while now. And so then we have this particular moment where the Pharisees have come to try to catch Jesus in something that could break one of their rules that they could go back and have a reason to have him arrested and see if they can't get him killed. They want Jesus out of the way. Jesus is calling into question everything that they've been teaching, all of these rules and regulations they've come up with. It is completely trashing that stuff. And so they're, they're like, man, we got to get Jesus out of here. He's making them sweat. And so they've come to him and they say to him, we want you to do a sign. We want to see a sign from heaven that you're who you say you are. I hear people say stuff like this all the time. You probably do too. And maybe you've said stuff like this. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, well, I'm, uh, I'm waiting for God to give me a sign, you know. I, you know this is especially, especially appropriate like when we know God is leading us to do something, but we're nervous about it or we, don't want, we just straight up don't want to do it. And so we just kind of like procrastinate it in like the holy way of like, I think the Lord's leading me to do that, but I'm, I'm praying for a sign. It's like, wait, wait a minute, you, you think the Lord's leading you to do it, but you're waiting for something else to happen, you know? We're real good at that stuff. Playing games with God. <laughs> I kind of think sometimes his reaction to us might be the reaction of Jesus here. Do you, re- you realize Jesus' reaction? And he sighed, verse 12, and he sighed deeply in his spirit. And he, you know, basically Jesus is like, these guys, you know? And and what it is, is like, he's already done a ton of stuff. They've seen him do all these things. They've heard about, they've talked to people. He's healed. He's already done all these signs. Basically, they're recreating the moment of of Satan coming to Jesus. Remember this? Early on in in the very first part of Jesus' ministry, and Jesus is tempted three times, you know, from Satan. So, you know, and same, you know, same thing. We'll talk about that a little more here in a minute. But same thing here. Jesus is, you know, and Jesus is like, I'm not giving into this. Because here's why. It wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't have mattered what Jesus did. If you remember the stuff that he had already done, all these people he had healed, all these amazing things he had already done in his ministry, from day one, they decided that all, they, they being the Pharisees, they decided that all of those things were from Satan. So what? Jesus does something else. He does some other miracle right there in front of them. And then what are they going to say? They're going to say, oh, well, that's just like the other stuff. That's from Satan too. They had all ready decided they were choosing not to believe they walked into the situation choosing not to believe they had closed the door on their hearts for God to speak to them about who Christ was and what he was there to do that's where they were and we see that in in Jesus's response what's he say why does this generation seek a sign? He's like, I've already done a thousand of them for you. Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, and he got in the boat, and he went to the other side. He's like, I'm getting away from these crazy people. But I think, I think that we need to pay attention to, to what Jesus does right there. Jesus leaves them. He leaves them, like literally like he leaves them to their own choice and to their sin. And we see God do this in Scripture. You know, I, we don't, people don't talk about this a whole lot these days. It's not real popular because it's not whatever you want to call it, seeker-friendly, or you can't put it on TV as a preacher and then ask for money after or something. I don't know, with all the you know, false teachers or whatever. But um, we see God throughout Scripture oftentimes leave people groups or persons to their sin, and he's like, okay. I'm washing my hands of you. I'm leaving you to it. Now it's up to you. We hear the terminology to have a healthy fear of God. And I think one of the important things when we hear that should be, 
for us to understand. Obviously, we understand God loves us. He cares for us. He sent Jesus to die for us, to take the place of of death that we deserve for the sin that we've committed. He's put Jesus on that cross for us that we might believe in him, trust in him, be forgiven by him, by the blood that he shed, did something for us that we don't deserve. We can't earn it. It's a gift. All we can do is receive it and believe in it, right? But there's also this understanding that, you know, for us that God is, you know, and and Jesus spends his ministry talking about it, and, and we know through all of Scripture that sin does something, and that's that it destroys. Sin destroys. Jesus being a loving, God being a loving Father loves us, cares for us. He doesn't want us to be hurt. He's trying to keep us on track from where we're not getting hurt by sin, but there comes a point along the way where if we continually say, uh, Jesus, I know better than you. God, I know better than you. I'm going to keep on sinning. I'm going to keep doing my thing. That eventually God's like, okay, you got it. See how it goes. I, that's a place we don't want to end up. That's a place as God's people we do not want to end up. And that's why it is so important for us to seek after and run after our relationship with the Lord. That we're growing in in him and, and knowing him more and that he is transforming and changing who we are to be the people that he has created us to be. And you see, there's one of the biggest blessings of the Christian walk so many people miss is everybody's going around going, what's God's will for my life and what's God's purpose for my life? It's all the same. It's his glory. God has created us for his glory that other people would know who he is because they know us, that we would make him known. That is the purpose of our life. What's the rest? Well, God, how do I know if God's will for me to take this job or to do that thing? Well, you know, how how about maybe God's going to give you some choices? And at the end of the day, the purpose of your life is still the same. And oftentimes he's allowing us to be able to do things that we enjoy and love that we would celebrate and show the joy that we have in this life to the people around us, that people would see Christ working in us. Jesus leaves them to their stubbornness and their sin. That's a tough, that's a tough thing to hear. Jesus loves them. He cares for them. But they have chosen, they've chosen to go the other way passage keeps going, verse 14. Verse 14, it says this, it says, now they had forgotten to bring bread, talking about the disciples. Go figure. They've forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Okay, so you got a dozen guys, and you got a a loaf of bread, and this probably isn't like, you know, bunny white wheat or whatever it is that you get, you know, on a regular basis, okay? This is probably some little small loaf of bread. And they realize they only have one loaf loaf amongst them, and uh, they're talking about it. And so then Jesus, verse 15, it says, And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So Jesus throws in a a little nugget of joy right here. Okay, you're thinking, okay, disciples are probably going to think on that. Verse 16, here's where it goes. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Got no bread. What are we going to do, Jesus? Peter forgot the bread. Peter, you were supposed to remember the bread. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just forgetful. You know, what, I, what, what am I supposed to do, you know? Jesus, what are we going to do? We don't have any bread. There's, there's you know, there's 13 of us here. What are we going to do? We're going to... We're going to die, Jesus. We're going to (laughs) die. Jesus' response. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened, having eyes, and do you not see? And having ears, and do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 
thousand people. How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up at the end? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up there? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? <laughs> it, it's, it's so hard to not be down on the disciples sometimes, isn't it? It's so hard to just go, to not go, guys, come on. Like You, you guys just left feeding 4,000 people. Weeks, months before this, you were just a part of Jesus feeding 10,000 plus people with just a few loaves. And you guys are in the boat with Jesus and you are worried that a loaf isn't going to get you by on your trip back. It's hard not to do that. Truth, truth is, is we do the same thing. We do the exact same thing. We doubt. We spend time worrying all the time. You know, Chris, you know, I've got this big situation in my life. You know, I've got a lot to worry about. Okay. Has God moved in your life before now? Have you ever seen God provide for you before now? Have you ever seen God move in such a way that just makes you go, man, he is absolutely amazing. Look at what he's done for us. He's done it again. And yet so many times we, found, we find ourselves in doubt. We find ourselves in fear. We find ourselves anxious. Jesus gives that little nugget that I talked about there in verse 15. Verse 15, in the middle of them being worried about the bread, Jesus is trying to teach them something. You see this? Verse 15, he says this statement to them. He says, watch out, beware of the leaven that the Pharisees of the Pharisees, and the leaven of Herod. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about bread, right? When I was a kid, I remember, you know, I grew up in a little town in Kentucky. And grew, you know, we didn't, we didn't go out to eat a whole lot and that kind of thing. I remember one Saturday morning, my mom got me up, and she said, we're going to get breakfast. And I was like, What? She's like, I'm going to get breakfast. I'm like, what? I don't understand. She's like, because normally we just eat breakfast at the house. We didn't go places to eat breakfast. We just didn't do that. And uh, and so she's like, no, we're going going to get breakfast. I want to take you. We're gonna get. We're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna take you to get one of these sausage biscuits. I think you're gonna like it. And I was like, I don't want to eat a sausage biscuit. She's like, just get in the car. So we go, and we go to Hardee's, right? That blessing, of course, recently came to Pleasant View. And, uh, and so Penny picked me up one of these this morning. And so we go to Hardee's, and, and here's what I remember as a kid. I remember that, uh, you know, we got this biscuit, which I think, I think they were bigger back then. I'm not sure if you guys feel that way or not, if you made it through the 80s or not. Uh, but uh, I, remember, I remember, like, the smell of it. I remember feeling like, I remember my mom talking about they make, they make these homemade. And, I, and I, really, I really still, in my mind, feel like there was somebody's grandma back there patting out the sausage patties. You know, now, you know, you got this, like, nice machined circle of a sausage patty, you know, you know. And, uh, you know, but I remember my mom was like, I was like, I don't, I don't want to eat, I don't want to eat that as a sandwich. And she was like, you don't have to eat it as a sandwich. You can eat it, you can eat it in, in pieces. You can eat the bread and you can eat the sausage separately. And guess what? To this day, I still do. I eat it in pieces. If somebody brings me one of these to a staff meeting or something like that on Wednesday morning, I'll be sitting up here. You'll be seeing me holding like a flappy piece of sausage. I'll be like, that sounds good. Yep, uh-huh, you know, and they're just shaking their heads, you know. So the bread, the bread, the thing about bread is that bread needs something to rise, and that's, that's leaven. That's the yeast. And, um, you know, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. To make bread rise. And uh, when we're looking, when we're thinking about this passage and we're looking at what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about something that they had a lot of knowledge of. Like these disciples, they, in their minds, also had probably their favorite breads, 
Maybe it was a, a Hardee's biscuit. Maybe it was something else. I don't know. Somebody's mom probably made like the best bread in town or whatever. And like, man, we get some of, some of Thomas's mom's bread. That's the bread right there. We need to get some of that for the trip, you know. Um, but either way, they understood something that we don't quite think so much about when we're seeing this, and that's what this leaven statement is meaning. You see, it only takes just a little bit of leaven to make bread rise. I mean, just a very, very tiny bit. Jesus knew this. What Jesus is saying here, and he says, watch out. He's given a warning. I think that's pretty important. Jesus is saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's saying, you've got to watch what they're teaching. You've got to watch what they're saying. You know, Jesus is trying to teach them truth. Imagine this, like they didn't have the Bible, like we've got the Bible today to like be able to check things by. He's trying to teach them truth. And yet at the same time, there's, you know, literally hundreds, thousands of years that people have been teaching other things that were not true. And now he's trying to come in and try to clarify and bring truth and help people see clearly what it is about the kingdom of God. If you look elsewhere in Scripture, you'll see leaven actually used to describe things like pride, malice, and false doctrine. I really believe Jesus is saying here, you've got to watch the doctrine that these other people are telling you. And here's why. It's historical, and it makes so much sense once you put it together. It's because the Pharisees had, had a diluted vision of God's kingdom. The Pharisees had a diluted vision of God's kingdom. Like, Chris, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, think about it. Think about the Pharisees. Think about God's people. What have they been doing? Like the whole time they're waiting for the Messiah to come, that whole time they're like waiting for the Messiah to come, they're doing so on this basis and understanding and hope that when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, that he's going to make them rich. They, they were selfish. I mean, they're human beings. They were selfish. They were looking for a king to come from God, that God was going to send a new king, king of the Jews, right? And it, when that king came, it was going to change all the politics, and it was all going to be biased toward them. And in doing so, what in turn was going to happen was then they would all get to be the rich people, and they would get to rule everything that was going on. They, it, was, it was all about them. And, of course, Jesus didn't come like that. Jesus came as a humble king. Jesus came as a servant. He came loving and ready to give his life for anybody that would believe in him. Jesus was shaking it up. Pharisees, the Pharisees hated Jesus. No wonder they're trying to kill him. They're like, man, he is, he is thwarting our plan for like, you know, us to like, you know, I've been eyeballing that little building in town. I'm going to get that one day when, when you know, when God sings, sends the real king, you know, that's going to be mine, right? Jesus had come, and he had brought the kingdom of God with him. And it looked very different than what these people had been waiting on and hoping for because Jesus didn't come with a crown, and he didn't come with a robe. He came with God's love, and he came with salvation for anybody who would trust in him. Jesus is trying to help them to see that he was the bread of life. The bread of life. The best bread. John 6, 48 says this. John 6, 48 says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. And if you'll remember in, back in the wilderness and all that, when manna came from heaven, remember that? It fell down on the ground and all that stuff. Remember that? So he, he's, he's alluding to that here in verse 50. He says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. He's like, yeah, your, your fathers, you know, they... 
They got some bread back in the day, right? Even got manna from heaven. And where are they? They're, they're all dead. They're gone, okay? But I've come with bread, with the bread, that you might eat of it and not die. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will last forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I mean, this is, this is all part of a plan. Jesus knew these people were going to be hungry. God knew these people were going to be hungry. Put Jesus in this situation. What's he going to do? He's going to feed them. He's going he's gonna to minister to them. He's going to love them. And then, and then he's going to have knuckleheads on the boat that are like worried about whether or not they're going to have enough bread to eat before they get back so that Jesus can have this conversation with them that he can look at them and say, hey, you need, to watch, you need to watch the leaven that you're putting in from the Pharisees and from Herod. In other words, you've got to watch your doctrine. You've got to watch what is truth. And I'll say this. I have no problem saying this. At any point along the way, if you ever question if something here that is taught is not from God's word, it is not truth, then you need to say something about that. And that goes for anything. Don't trust somebody. Don't just believe somebody because somebody's like, you know, oh, that's, that's a good saying. Is that, where did you get that? Oh, it's from the Bible. Oh, yeah? Where was that from? I'm not real sure. I think it's of second opinions or something like that. You know? There's a lot of great sounding stuff that is not necessarily truth. And sometimes those little things get us off track with understanding who God is and putting our trust in something else or putting our trust in ourselves or whatever, and the truth is, is we're a bunch of sinners, and we need Jesus. This goes all the way back to Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? City of bread. <laughs> What's Jesus say to the disciples before he goes to the cross? This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. All along the way, He's trying to help them to see something. But I, I want to I bring up this last thing that Jesus is trying to help them to see. He's talking to the Gentiles, right? When he's, when he's feeding the 4,000 here, he's talking to the Gentiles. Well, when he's talking to the Gentiles here, one of the things that he's trying to help them to understand and, and, and all of this praying with them, feeding them, all of this teaching them, is that he didn't just come to be the bread of life for the Jews and God's people, he came, he came to be the bread of life for everybody. And you may say, well, that's great. Good for the Gentiles. Glad he did that for them. Well, guess what? <laughs> We're Gentiles. So better than just, yeah, good for them. No, it's good for us. Like, thank God that he didn't just come for God's chosen people and then just be like, hey, see ya. Here to save God's people. The rest of you guys can go you know where, you know. Jesus came for everyone. And he's making a point through this whole thing, feeding the 4,000. He's, he's trying to help the Gentiles to say, I've come for you. But he's also in front, of the, in front of the disciples. He's trying to help them to see, I didn't just come for our people. I came for everyone. The Pharisees try to get him to perform. He's not buying it. And we're reminded with things that Jesus has already said, like what he said in that temptation with Satan. When Satan tries to get him to basically do the same thing, he's like, whip up something to eat, Jesus. You're going to go hungry if you don't. And Jesus says, you can't live on bread alone. You can't live on bread alone. And imagine just, I don't know, imagine like hanging out on a boat with Jesus and you're getting to be the disciples and you're getting to ask questions like, Jesus, what's that mean? When you told Satan that, what's that mean? And him explaining that to them, you know, it's not just about physical food. You need me. You need me because I'm going to go and I'm going to take a cross and I'm going to die on it and I'm going to shed my blood on it so that I can be the sacrifice to set everything right because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. 
And so you don't have to give your life. In fact, in me giving my life, you will have life if you choose the bread of life, the best bread. God always gives us what we need, doesn't he? Like we worry about stuff. I mean, we all do, you know. We, 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 if everybody was honest in here, everybody could say, I, I worry. I've worried about this this week or worried about this while, you know. We, we all worry from time to time. But the truth is this, God gives us what we need. Here's what that means for us today. We should be walking and pursuing Jesus, moving forward in our life and in our relationship with him, trusting in him to be enough to provide and to do all the things that we need him to do. That can be scary sometimes. That can be scary for us. I mean, if you're in a situation, one guy's in our church right now, he's, he's in the middle of probably losing his job, and we've been talking about it, and he man, got a great attitude you know, about it and stuff. But I mean, it's real easy some days to just be like, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? But if you talk to him, and he really means it in his heart, he's like, you know what? I know that God's got this. I know he's going to take care of my family. I'm not really worried about it. He's like, sure, I'm a little anxious. I'd like to know what I'm going to do. He's like, I'm kind of tired of bouncing around between jobs. He's a really talented guy. And he's like, you know what, though? God's got a plan. I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to trust him for it. And that's the attitude that we've got to have. That's the attitude that we've got to have in all things. That's the attitude that we need to have as a church. Not just as individuals, but as collectively as a church, as God continues to show us and grow us as we continue to grow. We've had, I said, I said a month ago, I expect this fall to be the highest uh, average uh, attendance that we've ever had at 24 and 13 and a half years, and it has been so far. It's been like 425 to 450 every week except Labor Day weekend. Thank you guys for showing up. But I'll tell you, there's going to be moments along the way where we suffer, okay? That's part of it. You can't, you can't read Scripture and not think that there's not going to be moments where we suffer. There's also going to be moments where we don't know what the next step looks like. And, and, and that may be for you personally in your life. It may be for us as a church. There's going to be aspects of what God is going to lead us to as a church that he's going to put us in situations where he's going to purposefully not allow us to be able to explain away on paper how he's going to do something. That may be a financial something. It may be, I don't know what it's going to be. But I can tell you this. I've shared with you the last few weeks little snippets of things, you know, that uh, God's put something on our heart, put something on my heart. And I'm going to be sharing that in the next few weeks. I won't tell you when, so you've got to come. But I'll tell you this much, I had a dream. And this is not me being crazy. I mean, this has maybe happened to me like twice in my life. But about two months ago, I had a dream, and I woke up on a Monday morning in a cold sweat. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God had clearly put together puzzle pieces of all these things that we've been talking about and praying about of like, we think God's leading us to do this. We think God's leading to do that. And how's all of it going to happen? And, and a whole bunch of that stuff just like fell right into place. Again, I'll talk about that in the next few weeks. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I felt impressed by God just like he said, you can't tell everybody about it yet. I, I've, never, I've never had anything like that happen, just to be honest with you. And, uh, and so I didn't. And I've wondered, why, I've wondered why, and I know other people are probably like, that's weird. You know, Chris is just being weird, you know. And I mean, you guys know me. That's not, that's not my MO. It's not what I usually do. And in the weeks to follow, I've since told our staff, in the weeks to follow, I begin to see pieces of the puzzle start to unfold right in front of us. And I'll be able to tell you about all that here before long. I say that to say this. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. And all we've got to do is trust him for it. 
And if he, if he can do those big things like that, then he can do the little things like take care of getting us a job when we lose one. You're like, Chris, that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. What are you talking about? No, you know what? To him, it's not a big thing. It's a small thing. Because at the end of the day, we're still called to do one thing, and that's glorify him. That other people would know who he is because they know us. We got to trust him. Don't fall into being a doubter. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask questions. It's a good thing. But don't, but don't, don't let that be where you camp. We got to stay focused on what he's already done. Be reminded of the great things of what God's done and who he is. We've got to believe in him to finish the work that he starts. He didn't bring us to this point to stop, call time out and go, I think I'm going to do something different. No, he's not done with us. He's not even close. And we've got to watch what we let in. Even the littlest of sin. Because again, God the Father, he loves us. He knows this. The reason he's trying to keep us from sin is because he knows it hurts us. It destroys. And even the littlest leaven coming in affects our lives for who God has created us to be. We've got to stop feasting on the bread of death and start feasting on the bread of life. The best bread, Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you for what you have done for us. God, we don't deserve it. And God, I just pray that you would continue to lead us as your people, as a church, as individuals. God, help us, Lord, to just, Lord, grasp and understand, Lord, what we need to and to be able to trust in you for everything that we can't. God, we know there's going to be things along the way, and that's what makes it so amazing is because, God, in the end, we can't claim that we did it because it was you, and we couldn't have explained it to begin with. God, thank you. Thank you for those moments. Thank you for already so many of those moments in the life of this church and in the lives of so many people that are listening to this right now. God, I just pray that you would be glorified in us. God, I pray that anybody that's listening to this right now that's never trusted in you to be their Savior, God, I pray that you would work on their heart and that you would help them to see their need for you. God, we're all sinners. We all need you. God, I pray that they would trust in you today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would save them today from themselves and from their sin. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. God, be glorified. We ask this in your name. Amen.